Awesome. Thank you very much, Jessica. Kids, you can take off to your classrooms. Go have some fun. Well, let's turn to prayer. Father, right now, we thank you for this time of worship that we've had today. But right now, we offer you this moment right now. As we open up your word, we thank you, Lord. We plant your word in our hearts, and we expect a harvest to grow from it. We expect your word to produce in our lives. We thank you for wisdom and revelation knowledge being opened up onto us, that we don't want to just know simple about something, Lord. We want to know how to know it and apply it and use it and thrive and to grow and to see fruit in our lives from your word. We thank you for the precious promises that you've placed in your word, that you said in your word, it's your word, what you said, that all of your promises are yes and amen. We are so grateful this morning that we don't have to beg you to do something. You said yes and amen. Yes and so be it. And so right now as we open your word and as we put our time towards it and focus in on it, we thank you that it still speaks yes, yes today. And so we receive it with an open heart and we thank you for it, for the harvest that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? So good to be with you all. You know, I think spring definitely is here now. You know, it kind of like two weeks ago, it was a little unsure what it wanted to do. We had that snow and ice, and then we had hot weather, and it was just back and forth. But last night, I was sitting in my living room. The windows were open, and the rain was falling, and you can smell spring, right? You have that refreshing smell of spring, that things are coming to life. And when you contrast that with how things looked a month ago, you'd look at the trees, and they look dead, and now you see the buds are starting to form on the leaves. And I wanted to start with that this morning because you may be looking at areas of your life today and saying, oh, that looks pretty dead. Nothing's ever going to come from that. Do not lose hope. Do not let go. Spring has come and life is flowing. Even when things look dead to you, God can do a work with it. Come on, uh, on Friday, Pastor Wendy brought up, had the story of Elisha, how long after he was dead and his body had turned to bones, that there was a person that, who had died and they, they needed to bury him quickly. And so they saw a grave, they opened it up and tossed the body in. But there was still life in those bones of Elisha and it brought that man back to life. Come on, God can speak life to dead bones, to dry bones. And just as we have stepped into the natural season of spring, you can step into a spring in your life in this day, right? Hallelujah. Well, let's get on with where we're going. We're continuing in our series on the laws of God. And last week, we finally got to our fifth and final law that we're going to cover in this series, and that is the law of sowing and reaping. Or you could call it the law of seed time and harvest. And just to remind you, we're talking about how the kingdom operates, how God has instituted things, not how you want them to be, but how he made them to be, right? Yeah. And whenever you mention, say, sowing and reaping, people who have experience with church like, oh, we're going to have another message on giving, and all they want to do is give, 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 give. Come on, you got to sow, you got to sow, you got to sow. I want to let you know, we're not talking about giving today. 
This is not just in that area. This is a principle that works kingdom-wide. And the problem with the way a lot of times even the giving side of it gets preached is it's all about so, 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 so. I'm pretty sure it's the law of sowing and reaping. When you plant, you reap harvest. And you need to get just as excited and focused on both ends of that spectrum. God expects that his laws be instituted in our lives, and when you use them, they produce. And whatever you sow to, you will reap a harvest. And that can be a shouting point, or it can be like a, oh, oh my, that's why I'm where I'm at. The Bible said, we said this back when we were covering the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. We'll get to that again next week when we talk about, it says, those who sow unto the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Those who sow unto the spirit will reap life and life everlasting. And so this is a principle that affects every area of your life. Think about this. You can sow an education. You can sow giving yourself an education and reap knowledge and understanding in an area. Or you can sow learning nothing and end up knowing nothing. And unfortunately, there's too many people in this world that know a whole lot of nothing. And they're really excitable about things they know very little about. (laughs) And that's why you really have to judge who you believe And what it is they're saying to you, because a lot of people are angry about stuff they know nothing about. Oh, come on. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. You judge things by what is actually true, what is actually real, and what is by the word of God. Come on, don't get wrapped up in all the hype, all the anger, all the outrage. Come on. So it's the law of sowing and reaping, or seed time and harvest. Now, the smartest person who ever lived, King Solomon, wrote to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and he says this, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. In every season of your life, wherever you may find yourself, there's a purpose for you and that's what the world is lacking a lot of the times they're looking like what's my purpose why am i here i seem like i do the same thing in a day in and day out they've not found their purpose i want you to know that where you are right now god has things for you to be doing in every season in this springtime naturally there's things we do right this is when we clean up our yards we pull down all the broken branches. We get rid of all the winter guck. I saw I drove, as I was driving in this morning. We were driving past one business and they had a water truck out there spraying down their, wa- their driveway because of all the dirt and the sand. And Ben, it's like, what are they doing? I said, they're doing their spring cleanup. There's times of your life where you need to do a cleanup of some garbage that got left over. Things you need to let go of. Things you need to open up the garbage can and say, you're not benefiting <laughs> from my life. Out you go. Come on. There's a purpose for every season. In whatever season of life you are in, God's got something for you to be doing. And so he said, in everything there's a season, a time for every purpose, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. Seed time and harvest. 
sowing and reaping. Just as a side thought, we talked about in our last two sessions of the, of the law of faith about the sovereignty of God and how much of the body of Christ is in a passive state saying, whatever God wants, God will be. And one of the things that we often see them talk about is things like here in verse, the first part of this verse, that there's a time to be born and a time to die. And people often use the excuse so when someone dies, oh, God took them. God is not a taker. God is a receiver of those things that are offered up to him. When someone says at a funeral, oh, God just needed them home. It was their time. He took them home. That's them making an excuse for the things that they don't know what that person believed or what they were doing in their life. God is not a taker. So what is, what is Solomon talking about when he says there's a time to die? Every living thing goes through a cycle. It's born, it lives, and it dies. You are born and you're living on this earth. And if Jesus tarries, you will reach the point where you will die. We don't know how that's going to happen and what the circumstances are, but there is a time. At some point, you will expire. Maybe you did something stupid and you made it happen a little quicker. Come on. You know, we use that... Use the thing that, oh, there's a reason for everything. And yeah, sometimes that reason is we make poor choices. <laughs> and in the Bible, God said there's two different timelines, 80 and 120, depending on which one you want to look at. And eventually you'll hit the point and it'd be like, okay, the time on earth that I've allotted for you to be here is done. Come home. You don't have to die sick. You can die well. Come on, at our last men's bre breakfast, we were looking at, Jim Hockaday was uh, sharing with us uh, through his program, Adventures in Grace, and he was talking about how his mother just went home to be with the Lord, I believe 83, and uh, he's like, no, not sick, nothing wrong with her, just decided it was her time, went to bed, and went home. You know, the one that I look up to really great is Brother Hagen, and he got to his end of his time, uh, I believe he was 83 as well, and uh, he, he had told his friends years before like when my time is up I'm gonna have my favorite breakfast I'm gonna go home and that's exactly what happened Jerry Horton came over that morning made him his favorite breakfast fed him a big bowl of strawberries he looked at his wife smiled and put his head down and went home now is that because it was his time no he chose come on there's a time to be born and a time to die and God's not up there counting the time saying oh you hit 62 I want you now no you can go until you're satisfied. There is a time that you have to die unless Jesus returns. And then in that moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed and we'll join him and we'll go home to heaven. But God is not up there micromanaging the time. God's not taking little six-month-old babies of leukemia saying, oh, if God wanted them back, then why did he give them? That's just sovereignty stupidity. Come on. And it seems like in this series, we're really hammering on that, that that needs to be rooted out, yeah. right down to the seed, right to the roots, pulled up out of the ground, and it needs to be put back on God has left you in control of your life. Come on. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me, now here, take it and go. 
Stop blaming God for things that wasn't him. Okay, let's, let's move on. There's a time to plant, and there's a time to pluck up with what is planted. And that's, that's right aligned with what Jesus said in Mark 4.26. He said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Let's say that again. The kingdom of God is. If I, anything I preach in this series, you go, well, oh, I don't know if that's really true. I'm not sure that's how it works. Out of the mouth of Jesus, the kingdom of God is. Your opinion doesn't matter anymore after that. When he tells you how it is, your job is to believe. And it says the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. If is conditional. You get to choose what you do with the seed that is put in your hands. You get to choose. God will not do it for you. So the kingdom of God is like this, and it's as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He, he himself does not know how. For the earth yields its crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. And as I said, it says he doesn't know how. Your job is not to make something happen with what you've planted. Your job is to plant. When it comes to the word of God and you're planting it in your life, you don't always know the ways that it's going to produce a harvest. And something you could have listened, read a year ago, two years ago, and you're in the midst of a conversation with someone, and all of a sudden the word rises up and that harvest comes forth to set that person free, to break the chains off, to bring life and hope and love into You don't always know how the harvest is going to come. Your job is over the planting and then the using of when it comes, the harvest comes. And so it says, you plant the seed, but you can't make it grow. The man doesn't know how it's going to sprout and grow. He doesn't make it happen. And that's when it comes to the things of faith, we spent five weeks on faith, you need to stop putting God in such a narrow, limited box. When he said something to you and you say, God, I believe, and then immediately our mind starts trying to fill in the gaps. Okay, this is how God's going to do it, and this is the way it's going to come, and so-and-so is going to do this. And then when it doesn't happen, we're like, well, God, why? Because you said, God, you have to do it my way. That's not your job to make anything happen. When he tells you to believe, you believe, and you let the details be worked out by him. You water that seed with your words. You keep placing faith into it. You respond when he tells you to do something. But it's not your job to make something happen. It's just like when the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You have the hand. You pray for the sick. Actually, I shouldn't say that. He didn't say pray. He just said lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. It's not your job to make them better you're not the healer you're the believer come on and it says for the earth yields its crop by itself first the blade and then the head and then the full grain in the head but when the grain ripens immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest time has come so the person in this story that jesus is telling was only involved in the seed planting and the harvesting of that seed when it was ready 
And so last week, we went all the way back to the garden, the beginning in the garden, to see the creation story where God created a planet, but he planted a garden. And you can say, well, why do we go back to the garden? Why do we need to look back there? So much has changed since the creation story. You're right. So much has changed, and not necessarily for the better in a lot of ways. So much has changed, but in the garden, we see God's original intention. And why is that important? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we look throughout the Bible, we have different dispensations, is what we call them. We have that original creation dispensation. Then we have the fall of man, which opened up the first age of grace, which is not like the age of grace that we live in. Then we have the old covenant time period, and now we live in the New Testament. We are in the, in the New Testament dispensation. Oh man, and the grace of God is so rich today in that dispensation. And those things were not because God changed, they were because man changed. The first change was in the garden when man fell. The serpent deceived Eve, and Adam just followed right along behind without even questioning. And mankind fell. And so God had to, change, had to pivot things around because of mankind, not because his intentions changed. The Bible said he's not like man, that he should change his mind, or that he should repent. He says it, he means it, and he stays that way fixed. And so when we look at the garden, we see God's intention for mankind, and it hasn't changed for today. We also see each one of the laws that we've covered so far, including seed time and harvest, in the garden. Well, how's that, Pastor Jordan? Law number one, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There was no sin, there was no death in the garden, and life was readily available to them. In the center of the garden, he planted the tree of life, and at no point did he ever say, don't eat that one. No, life was readily available. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, this one will be blessed in what he did. God created mankind completely free. Perfectly free. Free to choose. And some people can say, well, God can't be such a good God because obviously he created evil. No, he didn't. He didn't create sin, he didn't create death, and he didn't create evil. He made an environment in which man could, so because... Man had to have that free choice of how they wanted to live. God did not want a zombie. He did not want a robot. He didn't want someone who would blindly follow, but someone who would choose to follow. That's the great thing about you. You have the power to choose. You have that power. And so God made you perfectly free. You have liberty in all things. And in the garden, that's how he created mankind. We see the law of love at work. God would come down in the cool of the day just to walk and talk with mankind. Why? He had all the angels he could talk to, and he didn't want to talk to them. He wanted to spend time with you because you are his prized creation. The one that he loves. The law of faith was at work in the, in the garden. 
Their job was just to believe that God was who he said he was and do what he said they could do when he said, here, guys, name the animals. They didn't say, well, I don't know if I can do that. No, they just went and named the animals. They took God at his word and acted on it. And the law of sowing and reaping is in the garden too. In Genesis chapter 1, we see God creates man in his own image and in his likeness he creates them. And he says, let's give them dominion and authority or let's leave them in charge of what's going on here. And it says right after he creates them in his image and his likeness and gives them dominion, he says, and God said, see, this is the first time God commands their focus. He says, see, look here, this is important. Come on, this is the first thing God draws their attention to. I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on all of the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, it shall be to you for food. This is interesting. They didn't need food at that time. You didn't get hungry. There's no death and destruction. This is before the fall of man. They didn't need to eat. They got to eat. They chose to eat. And he said, guys, there's seed in all of this food. Let's jump to chapter 2. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put a man, the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree to grow, which is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the middle of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that was the one for choice. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And so we told you last week, to tend means to work in the garden. God wasn't going to work in the garden for them. He said, hey, you guys, shape the garden. Here's what I've given you. What are you going to do with it? Work in it. Tend it. It's not like they were pulling weeds. There was no weeds at that point. That came in the fall when the ground became cursed. And God said, you will have to toil in the ground. So it's not like they're out there pulling weeds. And to keep it, this means to be in charge over it and to guard it. And so when we see Satan show up in the garden and deceives Eve, that was them failing to guard the garden, to be in charge over it. Eve should have been like, you're not supposed to be here. That's not what God said. And Adam, who was standing right there with him, should not have been silent. Can we just say something here for a second? There are too many silent men in their relationships in these days. We need the men of the body of Christ to stand up and lead in spiritual things. For years and years, it's been the women at the prayer meetings. It's been the women on the midweek services. No, God called men to lead their families. Paul said he put men in at the head. Doesn't mean he's to lord over the wife. No, they work together. He made a helper, equal, comparable. But men have been called to lead. And they, they, we seem to be able to lead in the marketplaces and lead in the businesses, but not lead in spiritual things. Come on, lead the forefront be a believer, be a prayer, be a one who uses authority. We need godly men in this time. 
Amen? Adam was standing there silent. Should have dealt with it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Every tree. And I said this last week, and I want to go back to it again. We have to understand what that means. Where do the seeds come in a tree that bears fruit? They're inside. And you could say, well, what does that matter, Pastor Jordan? Is they had to be intentional. You need to intentionally partake of what God has left for you. Because that's where you find the seed that you want to sow in your life. You also have to take this into consideration in the garden before the fall. There's no death, there's no corruption, there's no destruction. Tree, the fruit didn't rot on the trees. It would stay there until they chose to partake. Come on, there's things that Jesus has left for you because of the work of the cross that will stay there on the tree until you say, God, you left it there. I might as well use it. You bore stripes on your back so that I don't have to be sick. I might as well go ahead and partake of that. I got to stop standing half in and half out. No, God, if you said it, that's how it is. I believe it. And it'll stay on that tree. It's never going away. It'll be available to you, but he will never make you use it. Come on. And so he said, I've given you every fruit to eat, everything off the tree. But until you begin to partake, you won't find the seed. And God will give you things, but he won't make you sow. He won't make you sow. But as you begin to partake of what is in your life, you get to determine this is for seed, this is for eating. Don't eat your seed. Paul said, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So many different areas of our life are seed. Right now today, you are sowing of your time in honoring God for your week. This is a seed. I'm sowing this part of my week for a fruitful week. I'm giving God my first, not my last. God doesn't get our leftovers. I'm intentional. This is my first. This is my seed for my week. I'm sowing this time to honor, to worship, to learn, and to grow. You know, I used to work for a company, and... uh, Our boss was a Christian person, but there was a joke between me and the other employees that on the weeks that he didn't go to church, we knew we were in for a rough week that week. He was always moodier, he was short on his temper, he would yell at us, he'd break things, he'd screw things up, and so on the weeks when we didn't see him at church on Sunday, we knew that, oh, we're going to be in for it this week. Why? He wasn't reaping a harvest of what he had sown. Come on. God leaves things for you to pick up. And when you honor him with your time, you receive a harvest. 
Come on. And so when we look back throughout church history, even just 50, 60 years ago, we'd have church services on Wednesday nights. We'd have Sunday mornings. We'd have Sunday nights. We'd have prayer groups during the week, and people would be in those. Now, you want to know what the statistics are? Someone who feels they're a committed Christian attends once a month. There's a lot of seed left on the table. Come on. Now, we can argue whether or not going to church every night is a good thing, and I would say no. Oh, pastors can't say that. You need to be out in the world, reaching the world. You should be in the sports where the other kids are so you can reach them. Come on. You need to be able to be investing in your family as well. It's not the church's job to raise your kid. It doesn't say let the church train up a child in the way that they should go and they won't depart. No, it says parents, train up your child in the way that they should go. But there's time that you get to choose how you spend it. Wow, time's just flying by this morning. But you get to be intentional about what you do with your time, what you do with your resources, what you do with your money, what you do with your kids, what you do with your work schedules. You get to be intentional. And if you're not intentional, someone else will be intentional for you with your time. So that was the garden. But that was a long time ago, Pastor Jordan, and things have changed. You're right, but God didn't change. Even if we move to the next section of dispensation, mankind went off the rails. And it kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse until it hit the, Noah, the family of Noah and God said, we need to put a stopgap in here or we're going to lose mankind. I've got a righteous family. I need to do something with them. Oh, it's funny that God will use people who honor him. Doesn't matter what everybody else does. He'll use people who honor him. And so he hits Noah and he says, Noah, build an ark. We're going to save the world through you. Builds the ark. God caused two of every animal to come. Most overlooked is he brought seven of all of the clean animals. That was for them to eat. But I want you to know, once they hit that ground again, once they landed and they opened up the doors and they went out, you know what the first thing that Noah did? He took of those animals and he built an altar to the Lord. He took of every clean animal and every clean bird and he built an offering on the altar. You got to think, this is someone who has limited resources. He only brought two of unclean and seven of clean. And here he said, God, I know the animals are needed to repopulate the earth, but I'm taking these ones and they're yours. He was planting seeds and honoring God even in his state of limited resources. He said, God, I sow this to you. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Whew. That's what God calls your seed. A smooth, soothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for men's sake. Although the imagination of his heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. And he says this, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, 
cold and heat, winter, summer, day and night shall not cease. We just came out of winter. Cold has not ceased. The days are warming up. Heat has not ceased. Day comes. Night comes. Seed time and harvest remains. And God said to Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. The blessing still remained on humanity. Whew, you've been empowered to multiply and to increase. But you got to choose, what do I want to increase in? And in, we talked five weeks on the law of faith, and that was really important because there is not a single subject in the Bible that is not by faith. You sow in faith, and you also receive harvest in faith. Okay, I told you last week as we were ending, this week we were going to look at how God uses seed. This is not just something for us to use, it's something He uses because it's a principle of the kingdom. It's not something is just for you, but not for me. God uses seed. And in John chapter 12, verse 20, this is right before the Last Supper and the meeting in the garden where Jesus preaches his final messages to his disciples, and then he's betrayed, and he goes to the cross, and he dies. This is on that day. In John chapter 12, verse 20, it says, Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship at the feast. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, asking him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, there's some details here in these two verses that may seem innocuous to you, but they're very important. It says, Greeks came seeking to see Jesus, and they found Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee. What we are being told is a group of Gentiles who the promise did not belong to came seeking Jesus and they found the good old Jew whose name was Philip. Those are important details. And then Philip told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip went together and told Jesus. You know what happened? These Gentiles showed up and they talked to Philip and Philip went to Andrew and was like, um... There's some Gentiles at the door. They want to see Jesus. We're not supposed to do that, right? <laughs> you know that that's what happened. Gentiles and Jews don't associate. Jesus was changing all of that. And he said, I must first go to my own people. And at this point, his people were rejecting him. And here comes the world. It said, when the fullness of time had come, Jesus came. He's at that time. The world was coming so that the world could be impacted. Whew, come on. Maybe that doesn't excite you, but that excites me. And so he goes to Andrew, and both Andrew and Philip go and they tell Jesus, because like, Andrew's like, I got to hear what he says. Like, what's going on here? And Jesus says something so unusual than what you expect. He doesn't say, let him in, or no, yes, no, or whatever. Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it 
produces much grain. What's Jesus saying? I am the seed and I got to go in the ground so that I don't remain alone, but I can change the world and produce many sons and daughters unto God. God gave of his one and only son so that he could have many sons and daughters. God was willing to give up his one and only one of a kind rarity Jesus so that he could have you and you, and you, and you. And Jesus said, if I, as a grain of wheat, am put in the ground, I sure as sure as sure is going to produce much grain. Hallelujah. Jesus was God's seed so that you could be his harvest. And Jesus says, he he, he knows what, what he's talking about, even if they don't. And he says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I came in this hour. Come on, because Solomon said, in every season, there is a purpose unto heaven. And Jesus is saying, I am the seed, this is my purpose. And should I say, God, no, no, I don't want this? He knew what it meant. And so he said, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Come on, God calls out to Jesus and said, I'm going to do it. We're going to go through it. And just as we planned it, it shall be. Come on, hallelujah. And therefore the people who stood by heard it and said that it had thundered. And others said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus says back to them, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. You need to understand that there was something going on. You needed to hear that even more than I needed to hear that. And he says, now this is the judgment of this world, and now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Jesus is saying, I'm going into the grave as the seed, and I'm going to take the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I'm going to stomp on the devil's head, and I'm going to say, the power that Adam and Eve gave you is yours no more. All authority has been given unto me, and I give it back unto my kids. Go and do something with it, because Jesus was the seed. And he said, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people's to myself and the greeks were the first ones the greeks of that city were feeling this something is different about jesus i don't need my greek philosophy i don't need those stoic philosophers any longer give me jesus and even in this time whether you recognize it or not hearts are crying out to jesus around this world there is such a harvest going on and you may say well i don't see it in my neighborhood it is happening Come on, open your sphere of influence and start listening from other places. Stop listening to the news. Stop listening to the government and go start taking Jesus to the masses. Their hearts are ready. He said, if I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. And this he said, signifying by what death he would die. Whoo, hallelujah. What death was it that he was going to die? that he would be the seed that God had sent. And in order for a seed to work, it needs to be planted. It needs to be let go of. 
Come on, Paul was having a conversation through the, his writings in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which we don't often recognize that the, he was answering questions that they had sent to him. And when he gets to chapter 15, the question that he's dealing with is, did Jesus really rise from the dead? And are we going to be raised up with him? That's the question Jesus is answering in 1 Corinthians 15. And so here, we're going to read of the Amplified Bible today in verse 34. Paul says to them, be sober-minded, be sensible, wake up from your spiritual stupor as you ought, and stop sinning, stop missing the mark or focusing on the wrong things. For some of you have no knowledge of God, and you are disgracefully ignorant of him, and you ignore his truth. And he says, I say this to your shame. Paul's rebuking me. He's like, why is this even a question jesus you can ask there's people that are still alive today come on peter john most of the disciples are still alive at this point testifying of the death the burial and the re resurrection of jesus but paul says you guys are ignoring the truth and he says but someone will say how are the dead raised that doesn't happen and with what kind of body will they even come? He's like, I don't understand. This is not something. And he says, you fool. Every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life, doesn't germinate, it doesn't spring up, and doesn't grow unless it first dies. And the principle of seed is that you need to let go of it before it will produce. And that's a hard thing for some people to do. Come on. Even, even in people's giving here at church, we've had people like, oh, I'm, I want to give this, but I want you to do this with it. I just want you to know that's illegal. The government doesn't let us. You can't give string, gifts with strings attached. That's illegal. And it's also not a seed <laughs> if you're wanting to control where it goes. We had one person one time that they had given their, they were usually a giver and a tither, and they had given their money elsewhere to someone else, and then they came back to us and said, well, can you write me a, a, a giving receipt for it? Because I really did give it. And I'm like, no, you loaned it to someone else. That's illegal. I can't give you a receipt for something you did not give. Right? <laughs> People are funny sometimes. The first principle of seed is you let go. It dies to you first before it produces a harvest on your behalf. Right, right. This, so when you sow of your time, you don't get that time back. When you sow of your talents, you don't get the use of those talents back. They were sown, they were given. When you sow of your love to someone, they may reject it, but you don't get that time back. That's why we're intentional about our seed. You're intentional about how we live our lives and how we spend our time, where we put our focuses, what, where, we, where we do uh, enjoy the good things of life. There's nothing wrong with that. You need to sow times of rest so that you don't reap burnout when you don't. Come on. And so the first principle of seed, it has to die to you. You have to let go. And your only expectation should be that it will produce for me i'm sowing it and i will reap i don't know what's going to happen between then and then but i have 
faith in him. He says, the seed you sow is not the body, the plant, which it's going to become. Saying, when you put a seed in the ground, you don't get a seed back. You're expecting a plant that produces much. It is a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other ground, but God gives it a body just as he planned. And each kind of seed of a body is its own is given. Meaning each seed, as God said way back in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 11, each seed produces after its own kind. And so whatever you sow, whatever you offer to God, God will cause harvest. We're not talking about money here today, right? So, so many people get so uptight as soon as you say sowing and reaping because they're thinking, he's going to ask me to give more. No, I can't ask you to. If, if you're doing it because of me, it's not really a seed. That's why when you're giving, I mean, if we're going to talk about bring that up, God said in your giving is a man purposes in his heart. That's between you and God. We can follow God's guidelines, but you should never give because of me. I love what Brother Hagin said. He's like, you don't take an offering when everybody's all excited and you don't get them all fired up and say, now let's give, we got to do this. He said, no, they do it by faith. You sow by faith. You don't need to sow because you're excited. I, trust me, I get excited about when I'm giving because I know what's on the other end. But you should not give because I made you excited. Or someone else thinks it's a good idea. It's because God thinks it's a good idea. And you've purposed to work with him. Amen? We don't have any time for any more what we're going this morning, so... Father, we just thank you for this time that we've had this morning that we could sow to you. We thank you, Father, that we will reap a harvest even in this week, Father, that as we've honored you, we know that you'll honor us throughout this week. We thank you for the time that we could focus our emotions, we could focus our attentions, we could focus our expectations, and that we could stir up our faith, and that this week we expect good things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Robin, bring us in for a landing. Can I get uh, Genesis 8.22? Genesis what, sorry? 8.22. There's no one back there to do that for you. Off of yours? You didn't ask for Genesis. You asked it for Galatians. I want Genesis 8.22, though. Oh, did I have that? You have it. You used it. Did Eight? you? Yeah, 8.22. Oh, sorry. Yes, I did. <laughs> My bad. My bad. You're right. Give me a second. I got to pull it up again. There you go. All right. So in, under, uh, in Bible interpretation, there's called what's called the law of first reference. And uh, so as you're interpreting the Bible or getting something from the Bible and so on, you look to what is said first here. And so the first thing he says there is while the earth remains, which we need, we need the earth here to be here, right? While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, the first reference. He doesn't say cold and hot, winter and summer, day and night first. He said seed, time, and harvest. This is so much of a valuable um, asset to your Christian walk to understand about seed, time, and harvest. And because you do it all the time. You do it every time you get up in the morning. You plant a seed of, seed of some sort. You know, you, you get cleaned up. You go to breakfast and so on. You, and so you're, you're, you're processing you're processing this all the time. It's just the way things work. 
And so it's the same thing with, with as you're giving. And I love your statement, be intentional. So when you're giving, because it's as you purpose in your heart, be intentional. Amen? Amen? To understand this law of Genesis of seed time and harvest is the foundation of all that's going to ever happen for you. And so if you don't like where your life is at in any area, what have you been sowing towards that? Amen? And if something needs to change, you need to change what you're planting. And it's usually our words that we're planting that we shouldn't be saying, things we shouldn't be saying. We should be agreeing with the Word of God because every Word of God is a seed to be sown. Amen? Amen. Glory be to God. So, if you want to give, there's several ways to do it, and there's a basket in the back. Amen. Uh, glory be to God. You are blessed. <laughs>